You are listening to the Jewel City Podcast. In this podcast, we are coming together for Autumn Revival 2021. Our special guest today is Isaac Carpenter from Christ Temple. Come on, remain standing if you will. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. (laughs) I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. For you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, somebody shout surely. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. See, right there, you all should have shouted because if you thought back on your life, you would realize that it was the goodness and it was the mercy of Jesus that kept you alive when you were in that car wreck. It was goodness and his mercy that caught you when you were about ready to take your life. It was goodness and mercy that caught you when you were about ready to do something that you knew you shouldn't have done. It was goodness and mercy that kept you when you were about ready to make a decision that would affect your eternity. It was goodness and mercy. Uh, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody shout forever. That's not even the passage of scripture I'm preaching from. I just felt like we need to declare that tonight. Remain standing, if you will, and we'll get to the text that we're going to be talking about tonight. Did you all have a good time this morning? It was good. It was good. It was good. Incredible. First Peter chapter five. And we're going to read verses 10 and 11. First Peter chapter five, verse 10 and 11. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, someone shout himself, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Verse 11, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Father, we ask you tonight that your presence, we know he's already here. You're already in the room, but we ask that you will just turn up the fire tonight. We ask you that the glory of God would hover over this place. And Father, your word says that miracles, signs, and wonders shall follow them that believe. And Father, we're in a room tonight full of believers. So our expectation is nothing less than miracles, signs, and wonders. Father, break out, break through, and break over tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Hallelujah. I can tell you one thing right now. Worship. Worship team, where are you at? Just wave at me. Worship team, where are you at? So anointed. So anointed. Um, here's what I'll say. If I could give you one encouragement, those of you that are on the worship team, it's this. Seek the anointing, not the gift. There's many a worship leaders and many a preachers in this earth that are chasing gifts but have no oil. And my Bible says that it's not the gift that will break the yoke but it's the anointing that'll break the yoke. See, the gift will fill a room. 
It'll entertain a crowd. It'll give goosebumps, but it's the yoke that'll lead someone to an altar, or it's the anointing that'll lead someone to an altar, and it's the anointing that'll break a yoke. So chase the anointing. Chase the anointing. I want you to look at your neighbor and share with them the title of my message this evening. It is this. There will be glory after this. Come on, shout it a little louder. There will be glory after this. There will be glory after this. I don't know what you've been through or what you're going through now, but there will be glory after this. There will be glory after this. I love this title because it anticipates that there's something better after this. It anticipates that my this isn't my end. It anticipates that there is a chance that there's change after this. See, the enemy would love nothing more than to get you to believe that the season that you're in is all there is, but there will be glory after this. In this story, Peter, Peter is talking to a church that is enduring pain. And during this message, Peter has a unique way of speaking through the pain and speaking to the purpose of the pain. And one of the things that I've learned that we do so well in the body of Christ is we talk about how to steward money. We talk about how to steward relationships. We talk about how to steward time. But very rarely have I heard us talk about how we steward pain. How we steward pain. And see, I'm a firm believer that no pain, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes tonight, that no pain should enter my life without profiting me something. No pain should enter your life without benefiting you something. When you get on the other side of pain, you should be stronger. You should be tougher. You should be the greatest person you've ever been when you get on the other side of pain. Are you hearing me tonight? No pain should enter your life without benefiting you something. And so Peter is speaking to a church in this passage, acknowledging their pain, but speaking to the purpose of the pain. And see, I've learned that pain has a sneaky way of pushing us back to the feet of Jesus. Come on, I know I'm not the only one. Pain has a sneaky way of pushing us back to the feet of Jesus. And if you're here today and you're saying, I'm struggling with pain, I'm, I'm struggling with trials, I'm struggling with hurdles, my answer to you would be that you should be grateful to God. Some of you are probably saying, hold on, preacher. You just told me that I should be grateful to God of my pain. Just follow me. Why? Because struggle is proof that you have not yet been overtaken. (laughs) Struggle is proof that you're still fighting. Struggle is proof that there is a chance that I can get on the other side of this thing. Struggle is proof that the adversary is not yet overtaken you. Struggle is proof that the enemy is not bigger than your God. Shout, he's not bigger than my God. He's not bigger than my God. But see, in this struggle and in this fighting, there are things that you have to throw at the feet of Jesus. So my question, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. So my question to you is, what are you carrying that you should be casting? What are you carrying that you should be casting at the feet of Jesus? See, it's impossible to cast that thing at the feet of Jesus when you're hiding it. It's impossible to cast what you hide. Are you following me tonight? So see, what we do is we try to hide the pain. We try to hide the struggle and play the part. However, God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can only bless the real you. 
God cannot bless the fake facade mask that we do so well of putting up. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. See, it's impossible for the light to get through something that is not transparent. Shout, there will be glory after this. Maybe you're saying glory after what? Glory after your struggle. Glory after your sickness. Glory after your trial. Glory after you've been talked about. Glory after you've been ridiculed. Glory after the years of sleepless nights. Glory after the years of tears. Glory after this. And what I love about this title is everybody's this is different. Yeah, there's going to be glory after you're this. Glory after my this, glory after your this. There shall be glory after this. So this title, this statement tells me that in order to get glory, I have to go through something. That I don't get glory for free. That I have to go through a process to get glory on my life. Are you following me? So let's go back to the text. In verse 10, this is what he says. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, somebody shout, just a little while. So after you have suffered a little while. So the prerequisite to getting glory is suffering. After you have suffered a little while. Glory hasn't even been mentioned until after you have suffered a little while. Suffering happens. You've either gone through it, you're going through it, or you will go through it. It's, it's just a part of life. But for those that have suffered, for those that are suffering now, I came to tell you that there will be glory after this. See, I've come to understand that pain isn't the enemy, but rather the inability to face the pain will cause far greater damage. Pain is not the most dangerous thing. The most dangerous thing is the fact that you're not admitting that pain is there. Are you following me tonight? So Peter shares with us in chapter 4, this is what he says, When trials and suffering come into our lives, do not be surprised. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he says, My friends, don't be surprised at the painful things that you are now suffering. Follow this which are testing your faith. Don't think that something strange is happening to you. So both of these passages, they're communicating that everything I had to go through was to test my faith. Somebody shout tonight, that's just a test. It's just a test. This is just a test. It's just a test. And it amazes me how many of us want unshakable faith, but we don't want our faith to be shaken. We want the, the greatest faith, this unshakable faith, but as soon as our faith gets tested, we run. Yeah. You can't get unshakable faith without being shaken. You understanding me tonight? So, this, this, so the purpose of the struggle and the purpose of the trial is to perfect and strengthen my faith. Look at your neighbor and say, it's only a test. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, this is what it says. Consider it. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I'm going to read that again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
perseverance. So we see that not only do trials test our faith, but as the scripture says that we should count it all joy. Hold on. Now you're telling me, hold on. A little bit ago, you told me I should be grateful to God for trials. Now you're telling me that I should count it all joy. Who is this preacher? I'm sure some of you all are thinking this. Just follow me. So yes, the uninvited, the unexpected, the unprecedented trial, you are to count it all joy. And so, so see, the reason that we as believers should react with joy while facing suffering is because testing is sent to test our faith. Joy, I want you to get this tonight if you're taking notes, joy is not the product of our suffering, but rather the fundamental expression of our faith. I'm going to read that again. Joy is not the product of our suffering, but rather the fundamental expression of our faith. See, the Bible says that without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. So faith is vital and faith is necessary to please our king. So it pleases God when I'm in a situation that I don't understand how it's going to turn out in a situation as we spoke like on this morning of dry bones. It pleases God when you can be in a season like that, but still have faith that at any moment could be my moment. It pleases God when you have faith like that. And I believe that I'm in a room of people like that tonight. I believe that I'm in a room of people, as our Bible says, that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I believe that I'm in a room full of believers like that, that I know the doctor report may not look so good. I know your bank account may not look so good, but though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. So it pleases God when, when he sees you staying and trusting in him. When everything around you is falling apart, it's, it's easy to trust him and have faith in him when everything's going right. But can you have faith and can you trust him when it looks like nothing is going right? This is the kind of faith that pleases God. So my question to you is tonight, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Can you stay faithful and trust God when all you have is one word from the Lord? Can you stay faithful and trust God when all you have is one word from the Lord? And you see, those that need signs don't have faith. Can I just talk to you for a moment? Those that need signs don't have faith because when you have faith, hearing is just enough. Oh, are you following me tonight? Those that have true faith don't need to see it yet. They just need to hear it. My Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right? So we, we as believers don't need signs to prove our faith because we've got enough to, to have faith. Hallelujah. So see, when God gives you a promise, evidence isn't needed because having evidence would mean that you wouldn't need faith. Because faith is the evidence of what? Things that are not yet seen. And so this is why some of you, some of you people call you crazy. Because, because you're walking around sick declaring you're healed. This is why some of you, some people think you're crazy because your marriage is rocky, but you're going around claiming that it's perfect. See, this is why some of you, some people call you crazy because people may know you're struggling, but you're walking around declaring prosperity and declaring blessings. This is what faith looks like. This is what faith looks like. 
This is how in the midst of trials, I can still have unspeakable and unshakable joy. Come on, do I have anybody that's joyful in the house tonight? This is how in the midst of trials, I can have unspeakable and unshakable joy. See, everybody wants happiness, but not everybody wants joy. Everybody wants happiness, but not everybody wants joy. Why? Because happiness is conditional, but joy is unconditional. Happiness is based on the pressure of your suffering and your emotions. Joy, see, here's why we don't like the difference between happiness and joy. Because this, this is happiness. Happiness is conditional. Joy is unconditional. When you have joy, it's not grounded in the midst of your suffering. Joy is not grounded in the midst of your suffering. Joy is grounded in its source. And the real joy, its source is not found on earth. Its source is found in heaven. And you know the old, the old saying that we say, if the world didn't give it, then the world can't take it away. And since my joy didn't come from the world, then how dare the world try to take my joy from me? So happiness is based on my situation. I want you to write this if you're a note taker. Happiness is based on my situation, but joy is based on my revelation. Happiness is based on my circumstance, my situation, what life looks like, but my joy is based on my revelation. Come on, can I get some amen in the house tonight? So based on my revelation, as it says in Psalms 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for the night, but it is joy that shows up on my doorstep the next morning. It's joy, unspeakable joy that'll show up on my doorstep the next morning. And see, I've got good news about this text. Yes, it says that you will suffer, but let's read it again. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while... You missed it. I'm going to read it again. After you have suffered a little while. (laughs) See, Peter isn't just letting us know that you're going to suffer, but Peter is letting us know that my suffering has a deadline, that there's a timetable to this thing. It didn't say after you have suffered forever, after you have suffered a little while. After you have suffered a little while. This indicates to me that there is another side to this suffering. There's another side to this thing. That my suffering isn't the end game. This isn't where I'm going to call quits. No, because after you have suffered a little while. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. This is what it reads. For our light affliction. Someone shout light. Light affliction, which is but for a moment, someone shout moment, it works for us. It works for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Now, in the beginning of this text, we read light affliction. And you're probably saying, well, you're writing off this scripture right here because you're saying, well, if you knew what I was going through, there is no way you would consider it light affliction. Well, hold on. Let's dig into the text. Light affliction. Someone shout light. Light affliction. Well, let me, let me tell you a little bit about the author that wrote this passage of Scripture. The author that wrote this passage of Scripture was Paul. And see, Paul didn't just what I would consider graduate kindergarten and suffering school. 
Paul was not a beginner in what suffering felt like. Paul had a doctorate in this suffering thing. Uh, If anybody knew what suffering really was, it would have been Paul. It would have been Paul. Paul had been whipped. He had been in prison. He had been sold. He had been shipwrecked. He had many sleepless nights. He had a thorn in his flesh, but yet he still said, for our light affliction which is but for a moment, works for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. So if Paul, everything that Paul had gone through could still say for this light affliction, that tells me that every single one of you in here tonight, it's a light affliction. That your affliction is no comparison to what God can do for your light Afflictions. What Paul is saying here is, is these afflictions are light compared to the weight of God's glory. For these afflictions are light compared to the weight of God's glory. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you think what I'm going through is heavy right now. But God is just broadening my shoulders so that I can carry the weight of God's glory. You think what I'm going through right now is heavy, but I just needed this to broaden my shoulders so that when the glory of God is dispatched from heaven, I can carry this thing, baby. Because when God releases the glory of God, I've got to have broad shoulders so when that thing dispatches from heaven, I don't crumble under the weight of the glory of God. So he's got to take you through a moment and a season of suffering so that your shoulders can get strong and strengthened to withstand the weight of God's glory. See, you hated the season of suffering. You despised it, but it was a setup, baby, for the glory of God. The thing you were running from was a setup and was a part of the process so that you could carry the weight of God's glory. See, we cry out for God's glory to be dispatched in the earth. But let me tell you how it's going to be dispatched through you. (laughs) Oh, you missed that. Hallelujah. And so God is saying, if you... If you would have got what you were asking for years ago, it would have crumbled you. But now that you have proven me faithful, uh, now that you have shown me you can withstand the process, and now that you have shown me you can withstand some devils, and now that you have shown me you can take on principalities in spiritual places and heavenly places, now that you have proven me that, I'm getting ready to dispatch my glory. Come on, somebody shout, there will be glory after this. There will be glory after this. See, he was just preparing this church for the glory of God. Pastor, everything that you had to go through was for this moment. Glory is about to be visible and apparent in this house. The glory of God. And when the glory of God shows up, the impossible becomes possible. When the glory of God shows up, blind eyes begin to open. When the glory of God shows up, healing signs, miracles shall fall. Hallelujah. I said the glory of God's about to knock on the doors of this house. The glory of God. You're you're not going to have services like you used to have them. Services are going to look a lot different. Why? Because when the glory of God shows up, everything changes. The glory of God. The glory 
of God. So your waiting and your struggle is just strengthening you so that you can carry more. Oh, help me tonight. It's light. This, uh, this affliction is light. It may be painful. It may be a little uncomfortable. It may be a little confusing, but it's light. Somebody shout, it's light. It's light. It's light. It's light compared to the weight of God's glory. Nothing that you are experiencing now is even close to the weight of God's glory. Nothing. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting ready to come out. I don't know when, but I know I'm getting ready to come out of this suffering. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm getting ready to come out of this suffering. And when I come out, I'm going to carry the glory of God. That when I open my mouth, heaven's going to back me up. When I open my mouth, mountains are going to have to move. When I open my mouth, devils are going to have to flee. When I open my mouth, people are going to get out of wheelchairs. Nah, why? Not because of me, but because since the anointing and the glory of God is attached to me, everything has to bow to Jesus. Uh, I feel the glory of God already in here. Do you feel him tonight? A couple months ago, I want to share a quick story to you. A couple months ago, I was probably closer. I'm, I'm one of those guys, and you can ask my wife. I could say a couple months ago, and it really me a year or two ago. Or be like, it just happened a couple weeks ago, but it really is like four months ago. It just, it just happens like that. So it may even be closer to a year. We went, um, we went to the movies and we got there just in time and we sat down and I want you in your mind, as I'm telling you this story, I want you to see it out of the natural realm. We get to this movie, we got there right on time and we sat down and they begin to show previews of movies that were getting ready to come out. And at the end of each preview was coming soon. I'm going to share it again. We sat down. The lights went out. The room was totally dark. There was no visible light. <laughs> and all of a sudden, on the screen, previews of movies that were getting ready to come out began to show, and at the end of each preview said, coming soon. Somebody shout, coming soon. Uh, and I came to declare to somebody tonight that you feel like you're in that theater and that the room is dark. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, but God's about to show a preview. And at the end of the preview is going to say, coming soon. Somebody shout, coming soon. Come on, I don't know what's coming, but I know it's coming soon. My healing is coming soon. My deliverance is coming soon. My financial miracle is coming soon. Restoration to this city is coming soon. Restoration to my family is coming soon. I know it may look dark right now, but God's getting ready to show a preview, and it's about to say coming soon. Come on, can we shout coming soon? Uh, coming after this, there will be glory after this, after this, after this. You may be in a temporary inconvenience, but get ready for a permanent improvement. <laughs> you may be in a temporary inconvenience, but God is getting ready to make a permanent improvement. Somebody shout permanent. So as you all know, my wife and I obviously had our son. He's six months old now. And I know I said this in the morning service, but he's the cutest baby in the world. So, so obviously, my, my wife was pregnant, and there was, there was a lot of things. Uh, I'm going to kind of share an illustration for you. 
there was a lot of things. I, I'm one of those preachers that I could preach on anything. Like something just happens and I start preaching on it. And she's like, we're not at church. We're just driving. But I'm just, things just pop out to me like that. So there was a lot of things during, uh, uh, while she was pregnant, that the Lord began to speak to me about how the natural um, laboring process or the natural pregnancy, how it is so um, almost similar in the spiritual realm. And so there was a lot of things that God was showing me in these in these nine months. And I learned that in the first few months of pregnancy, those are normally, well, at least for her, was her easy months. The months there's not much pain, there's not much discomfort, especially for a, a first pregnancy. They're, those are what I would consider the easy months. There's, no, there's not pain, there's not suffering, there's not discomfort. However, at the end of the pregnancy, is when she really began to feel the pain because the baby began to kick. She started to feel some contractions at the end. This was at the end. And one thing that I came to understand is that her pain and her discomfort, discomfort was an indication that she was pregnant with something. Can I testify to somebody tonight that your pain and your discomfort was just confirmation that you're pregnant with something? Are you hearing me tonight? I know this may be funny, but just follow me. I came to tell you today that what you're going through is an indication that God wants to begin to birth something within you and he wants to begin to birth something without of you. Your pain, your discomfort, these moments, these days, these months of suffering was just confirming that you're about to birth something. This whole process was just confirming that there was something in there. I remember moments I would, be, I would, she would say, look, he's kicking. And I would put my hand on there and he's kicking. And the kicking and the moving and, and all that was to confirm that there's something living that at any moment is ready to burst out. <laughs> the enemy, can I, can I go as far to say this? The enemy would not be attacking you. He wouldn't be attacking this city. He wouldn't be attacking this nation if he didn't think that there was a threat to the enemy's camp. The enemy wouldn't waste time. He wouldn't waste energy. He wouldn't waste effort on someone that is not a threat to his camp. So everything that you've gone through was just to confirm that this church is a threat to the enemy's camp. <laughs> And so, see, the reason it seems like all hell is broken loose is because the enemy is scared of you. Uh, some of you need to stop running from the devil and begin to turn and run at him. You've been running from his tactics. You've been running from his plans. But in all reality, he was more scared of you than you were of him. Some of you need to turn around and, and run the devil out of your family, run him out of your workplace, run him out of this city, run him out of this country, run him out of your business. Stop running from him and turn around and point your finger to him and stand in the authority that Jesus has given you and you tell him where to go. One thing that irks me to death is Christians that don't understand their authority. The Bible says that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's your authority. 
That's your authority. And if it's under his feet, it's under my feet. (laughs) Seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And so when a woman is pregnant, she, in a normal term, she, she carries the baby for nine months so that it can be fully developed. But follow me. But if a woman has to carry the baby or has to deliver, have the baby early, it will have to go through medical treatments to correct what should have occurred in the womb. Are you following me? So if God, help me tonight, if God would have released you and if God would have sent you out of the womb that he had you in early, he would have had to correct some things. So all he was doing was hiding you, was developing you in the suffering. So when it's time, you can be launched like a missile out of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what God is saying to you today, that if he would have brought you out years ago, days ago, many of you would have been undeveloped. But today is your day. Someone shout, today is my day. Today is my day. Today is my day. day. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. So see, the moment of pain, the moment of discomfort that a pregnant woman has is nothing compared to the lifetime of reward. So the suffering that you're going through, the the pain that you're going through is nothing compared to the lifetime of reward that you're going to walk in and receive on the other side of after this, after this. Somebody shout after this, after this, after this, after this. There will be glory after this. Maybe you're saying, listen, I'm believing what you're saying, but I haven't seen the manifestation of this thing yet. Well, let me tell you that this Bible right here says that God is not a man that he should lie. Therefore, if he spoke something over your life or spoke a word over your life, the only thing that can keep it from happening is you. God is not a man that he should lie. And I just, I just heard the Lord say that some of you need to remind yourself words that he's spoken over your life. Destiny and purpose and callings that have been spoken over your life that you've put on the back burner and forgot about. I ask right now that God would just remind you of those words. So we see in this text that God is not just the God of some grace. The text says that God is the God of what? All grace. This this grace includes my past. This grace includes my present. And this grace includes my future. This grace, the God of all grace, implies to us that he can be whatever we need whenever we need him. The God of all grace. He can be your Jehovah Jireh. He can be your Jehovah Rapha. He can be your Elohim. He's not just the God of saving grace. He's the God of all grace. And I'm glad for his saving grace. But I'm also glad for his redeeming grace. I'm also glad for his protecting grace. I'm also glad for his sustaining grace. I serve a God of all grace. He's not just a limited God. And see, sustaining grace says, I will hold you up when you can't carry yourself. I I will carry you. Why? Because when I am weak, he 
is strong. I know it's hard right now, but you do what you can and watch God do what you can't. I want to share another story with you. I have a friend of mine, a preacher friend of mine, and he shared this story. I think he was in Greece or something like that preaching, and I was watching online, and he shared this story. And it's one of those stories where I was like, man, this is an incredible story. It, it, it's got to fit in a message somewhere. So I just kind of put it on the back burner. And as I was preparing for this, I was like, I, I was reminded of this story. So he tells this story, and it's actually a true story, where this elderly woman and this, this young kid, I think he was eight or nine years old, they get on this plane. And as soon as they start taking off, they, they get up in the air, and all of a sudden, they experience some really rough turbulence. I mean, the plane is really shaky, and, and, and they're saying, everybody get seated, everybody buckle up, you know, we're, we're experiencing some rough turbulence. And, and the whole time this turbulence has happened, happening, people are calling uh, their loved ones because they're trying to reach them because this may be the last time that they get to talk to them. Uh, and, and the elderly woman's going crazy and, and all this, and she looks over beside of her sitting is the eight or nine-year-old son, and he's just sitting there on his phone, not even budged. And she looks at him and she says, son, how, how, how are you perfectly calm while this turbulence is going on? How are you, you, you so, you so assured that this is going to be okay? Well, he's just in his phone and, and playing the game. And finally she asked him again. He says the same thing. Finally, she just got sick and tired of it and she elbowed him to get his attention. And she said, son, how are you so at peace in the middle of the turbulence. And this is what he said. He put his phone down and he said, my dad is the captain of this airplane. And before we got on this plane, he promised me that everything was going to be all right. So I just came to declare over this house and over you that I don't know what turbulence, I don't know what suffering is in the middle of your life, but I know who the captain is. And he told me that everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right, come on, do you know who your captain is tonight? Come on, do you know who your father is tonight? He's screaming down from heaven saying, son, daughter, hold on just a little bit longer because every little thing is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. This is why I can have joy in the middle of suffering because when I know who my father is, when I know who my dad is, when I know who the captain is, I know that there is peace that goes beyond my comprehension, peace that goes beyond my understanding that falls on me like a blanket because I know who my captain is. And he's screaming from heaven tonight saying, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Let's go back to the text. First Peter chapter five, verse 10. Are you having fun tonight? I said, are you having fun tonight? And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, we're, we're breaking down this scripture. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace. Now I want to talk to this next piece. Who has called you? Somebody shout, I'm called. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm called. Come on. Some of you just needed to hear that tonight. You're called. You're called. Who has called you? Can I tell you that the fight that you're going through has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with the call and the anointing on your life? 
The enemy could care less about your name. What he cares about is the call, the destiny, the purpose, and the oil that's connected to your life. What you're going through has been about your calling and about your destiny. See, you had to go through it to get another glimpse of the glory of God. You got to understand what Job said. This is what Job said. He said, Lord, before all of this, I heard you, but now I see you. Before all of this, I had heard about you, but now I see you. And, and I believe that many of you are about to have a face-to-face -face encounter with the Father. You've heard about what he can do. You've heard about his testimonies of how he moved in days of old. But some of you are about to see him move, his hand move right in front of your life. Job said, I have heard of you, but now I see you. Now I see you. Many of you are about to find God as a provider. Many of you are about to find God as a restorer. And what I've learned is that through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus that through it all I can depend on his word. Come on. Do I have some old saints in the house tonight that through it all, through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus that through it all I've learned to depend on his word. See, before this, some of you knew about God and had heard about him, but you're about to see God move yourself in your life. A first-hand experience is essential when you're called. A first-hand experience. In my, in my first-hand experience, I learned that God is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. He is whatever I need whenever I need him. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And I need you to know tonight that what we are getting ready to get, the glory of God that we are going get, getting ready to receive it's going to cost us something, or it has already costed some of us something. The suffering, the trials, the pain, the seasons of life of not knowing when this was going to end was a setup for the glory and a fresh anointing on your life. I had another friend who, funny, he was, he was preaching in Greece as well. And, and at the end of his message, they had invited him to come back and he had had a little bit of time on his day before he had to get back on the airplane. And he's walking around the city, looking at some things in the area. And, <clears throat> and he stops at this, this like souvenir shop and he's looking in there and wanting to take some things home. And, and he's looking, he went over to where the, the anointing oil was on the shelf. And a lady that's working there, she comes over to him and she says, sir, is, is, there, is, there, anything else, is there anything I could help you with or, or, or whatever? And he goes... No, I'm actually just looking. And he goes, actually, this may be a weird question, but, but do you all make this anointing oil like, like here? And she said, yes, we actually, we actually make it in the back. So he, he asked her, he says, if you don't mind, would you, would you walk me through the process of how this anointing oil is made? And she said, sure. So she grabs a couple olives off off of on their way back she grabs a couple olives and and she goes to this machine and he told me the name of it but I can't remember what it is but it basically presses the olive oil, olives and she puts a couple olives under the machine and she begins to crank on this thing crank on this thing put pressure on this thing make this thing have a lot of pain make this thing very uncomfortable she begins to push and push and push on these olives until there's nothing less and left and she looks at him and she says sir i just felt to tell you that this oil is made from the pressing 
It's made from the squeezing of these olives and, and that you don't get this oil without the pressing and the squeezing. And she said this to him. She said, in order to get the olive, the oil out of the olive, we have to get the olive down to nothing. And I came to declare over this house, I came to declare over some of you today that have felt a pressure like you've never felt in your life. You felt like this season was never going to end. It was just the God cranking and cranking and cranking and putting pressure on you so that the oil can just ooze out of you. This season was to get the glory of God on your life and to get the anointing on your life. If the praise team doesn't mind to join me, we're landing this thing here. They had to, in order to get the oil out of the olive, they had to get the olive to nothing. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, he said, we are afflicted in every way. If you've been in church at any time, you, you, you're going to know this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, he said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Somebody shout, I'm not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Somebody shout, not driven to despair. Verse 9, persecuted, but not forsaken. Somebody shout, not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Somebody shout, I'm not going to be destroyed. Come on, I'm not going to be destroyed. I may have to go through, but I'm getting ready to come out of this thing. Can we stand on our feet this morning? Or this evening, I'm sorry. I may have to go through, but I'm getting ready to come out of this thing. I may have to go through, but I'm getting ready to come out of this thing. Look at your neighbor now and say, don't get used to the way I look now. Because when the glory of God falls on my life, I'm going to look way different. Oh, come on. You got to get that in your spirit tonight. Don't get used to the way that I look now. Come on, nudge your other neighbor. Don't get used to the way that I talk now, the way that I look now, the way that I pray now, the way that I worship now, the way that I fast now, the way that I praise now, because when the glory hits my life, everything about me is about ready to change. Uh, you feel his glory in the room tonight. Let's go back to the text. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, somebody shout himself, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Somebody shout amen. So we talked about, and I'm closing, so we talked about how to get the glory that you've got to go through a season of suffering. We talked about the assurance of glory, and here's where we're ending. Now thirdly, he gives us the evidence of glory. The evidence in his glory is in this third part. Yes, I love the first two parts, but what really makes me happy is in this last part of the text when he says, he himself. Let's go back to the text. He himself 
God himself is about ready to do this thing. And this excites me because I would much rather have God himself do this thing than we try to do this thing in our own might, in our own power. So I came to give you some good gospel news this evening. And that news is that God himself is getting ready to restore you, getting ready to confirm you, getting ready to strengthen you, getting ready to establish you, and getting ready to deposit glory from heaven. I want you to look at your neighbor one last time and say, God himself is about to do it. Come on, God himself is about to do it. God himself is about to heal you. God himself is about to restore your family. God himself is about ready to redeem you. God himself is about ready to save some of you. God himself is about ready to provide for some of you. God himself is getting ready to sweep this country. Uh, I said God himself is getting ready to sweep this country, sweep this city, sweep this county, sweep this state. God himself is about ready to do this thing. With eyes closed all over this sanctuary. Here's the call tonight. If you need God to move in your life that only he himself can do, this calls for you. Nobody looking around. If you're in here tonight and you're in the middle of a situation, a season, a moment of your life where you have tried everything you know, you've had people even help you and it seems like nothing, no change is happening, this call is for you. I want you to come to the front. Nobody looking around. The second call that I have is this. Some of you tonight are going through this season that we talked about tonight of suffering and you need God's sustaining grace to push you. You need God's sustaining grace to keep you. You need his sustaining grace to withhold you. You need his sustaining grace to get you through this season. If that's you, tonight is for you. Nobody looking around. Come on, I know there's more. Tears are flowing. I see it. For those that are in here tonight and you're in a season that looks hopeless, there's no way out and you know only God can change your scenery. Tonight is for you. Second call, for those that need God's sustaining grace on your life, that this suffering that we talked about, you feel like you're standing right in the middle of it and you need his sustaining grace to keep you. Hands lifted, still no one looking around. Can we just lift our hands tonight? I wanna declare this over you. Hands lifted all across the sanctuary. First Peter chapter five, verse 10 and 11. And after you have suffered a little while. See, now this passage of scripture means something totally different to you. After you have suffered just a little while, the God of all grace who has established you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself 
is restoring you in this moment right now. He himself is confirming you in this moment right now. He himself is strengthening you in this moment right now. And he himself is establishing you in this moment right now. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Come on, you can look up this way. There will be glory after this. Come on, I said there will be glory after this. There will be glory after this. Glory after this. I believe that the glory that you've prayed for, the glory that you have fasted for, the days of fasting for a move, the days of praying for a move. Some of you in here tonight are some older saints and you've been praying for 20, 30, 40 years for a move. And you're stepping into the prayers that you have soaked altars with. I believe that there is a move sweeping all across this state. I have a friend of mine, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. I have a friend of mine, and I'm telling you this to encourage you. He's an evangelist as well, and he's been doing some revivals in Boone County, West Virginia. And what was supposed to be just two nights is now going on week five. And in these five weeks, I'm telling you because this reason. See, we hear about moves that happened years ago. And we've heard about moves that have happened recently, but not in West Virginia. And the enemy has allowed doubt and unbelief creep in. And I just came to declare to you tonight that the same God that moved years and years and years ago in Adusa is about ready to sweep this state. They're on week five. And in five weeks, almost 400 people have come to know Jesus. Come on, I said 400 people. 400 people in Boone County, West Virginia will never see the pits of hell. Come on, if you didn't shout this morning or you didn't shout tonight, that was a great place to shout right there. And almost 300 people have gotten baptized. I, come on, I said almost 300 people have gotten baptized in water. Here's the glory that I feel God is sending. Do any of you know this revivalist from many years ago, Charles Finney? Anybody know Charles Finney? I encourage you to study old-time revivalists. I do that. And Charles Finney was an incredible revivalist. And there's this story that he was in New York for a meeting. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I feel drawn to stir your faith to know that God is still able to sweep over this state. Many, many years ago, Charles Finney was in New York for a meeting. He got there a day early because he just wanted to walk around the city and declare the word of the Lord before his conference. And he walks into this old, old mill where thousands of workers 
was a, was a manufacturer where they were uh, uh, in fabric together, making t-shirts, hoodies, all of these kind of things. And he walks in the front door, a man so full of God. And our Bible says that he is no respecter of person. Meaning if Charles Finney can walk in a room and do this, so can we. Charles Finney, a man full of God, walks in this, in this manufacturer. Tables all over this, this building. People sewing. Threading things. And as he walks in, the first lady is sitting there sewing. And he looks at her and her arm begins to do this. Begins to shake. And he looks at her and he says, ma'am, are you okay? She just keeps shaking. She just keeps shaking. She looks at him and says, sir, I don't know who you are, but I've been doing this. I've been working this job for almost 10 years and this has never happened to me. And I don't know anything about Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm an atheist. But I feel God all over you. And she falls out of her seat and begins to repent right there. He just keeps walking through the building. People start shaking. The boss is upstairs and sees and hears what's going on. He walks downstairs and says, sir, you're going to have to leave. Your call's under disruption. And see, he said, he said, sir, your call's under disruption. And see, we as citizens of heaven are meant to be troublemakers. And he says, sir, you're, you're going to have to leave. You're going to have to leave. Your call's in a scene. Your call's in a disruption. We can't work. And all Charles Finney does is he looks at the boss. The boss falls down to his knees and begins to repent. Shuts the building down and says, sir, why are you here? He says it to Charles Finney. Charles Finney says, I'm holding a meeting tomorrow night at here. He says, all right. And he tells everybody in the building, we're not working tomorrow. We're going to this meeting. They get to the meeting and every one of the workers were saved at that meeting. And this is what happens when you get possessed by Jesus. A man so full of God just walks into a room and the convicting power of Jesus just drops from heaven. Story of Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody know Smith Wigglesworth? I know I'm an old, I may be 23 years old, but I'm old school. Smith Wigglesworth steps into a bus or a subway. Many of you all may know this, this, this story. He steps onto a subway. I believe it was in California years and years and years ago. For a conference. He steps on a subway. And the moment he steps on the subway, he sits down. And he looks. And every single person sitting beside him all the way as far as he can see is bent over weeping repenting 
didn't utter a word, but was a man so full of God. And this is what God is looking for. A group of men and women that will say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to burn for you. No matter who leaves, no matter who mocks me, no matter who betrays me, no matter who talks bad about me, I'm going to burn for you, Jesus. So, Father, we ask tonight for your convicting power of Jesus to fall on us. God, not just to convict us, but God, we want to be so filled with your spirit. God, we walk in a room and your conviction is present. Father, we ask you for a fresh anointing. God, endued, may we be endued with power once again. And Father, we cry out tonight. We say, God, would you just breathe on this state? Would you just breathe on this country just one more time? God, you did it years ago. Our grandparents witnessed it. Our grandparents have talked about it. But God, we're tired of hearing stories about it. God, we're tired of having to look up videos about it. God, we want to walk in revival. So, Father, we asked that this house would be a hub of your spirit. That, God, when people step foot in this house, they feel the convicting power of Jesus. God, that chains, bondages, and shackles are broken the moment they step foot in this house. Father, we cry out for just one more move. Just one more move. Just one more move. Move in this country just one more time. Come on, in closing, can we just lift up our voices? Come on, I believe in this moment, heaven wants to hear our cry for a move. I'm getting ready to step down worship team if you just want to go ahead and usher us come on men and women of God come on cry out and get desperate for him come on with when the woman had the issue of blood it was her desperation she had to push through the crowd she had to do whatever she could to get to the hem of his garment how desperate are you for this thing how desperate are you for a move come on cry out to him tonight come on cry out to him tonight He's looking for a people that are desperate for him. Come on, he's looking for a people that'll do whatever it takes to see revival. Thanks for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. If you're not already subscribed, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Share it with your friends, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube.